Folks, welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. I am Maxwell Baumbach, filling in lead hosting duties tonight for Nathan Grubel, uh, who cannot join us tonight, but still give our boy a follow on Twitter, at Draft Deeper. I'm going to give him a tip of the hat in my column this week as well. But I'm Maxwell Baumbach, leading the show tonight. And with me, as always, we've got Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, how are you doing today? Maxwell, man, I'm doing great. Uh, my camera is acting really weird right now, and I don't know what's <laughs> going on. So just kind of bear with me. I know mm-hmm. this is probably driving well, and Kevin Steven, a little crazy here. And the thing is, Stephen's having these camera problems. And and before we started, Stephen was saying that he's going to come on here and say, "Give me the mic every damn segment." <laughs> you know, I, I <laughs> they're not they're not drawing up segments for me in crunch time. The whole the whole deal. And then we get on the air, and this happens. demanding a trade like Kyrie Irving. <laughs> man what a week (laughs) what a week in basketball yeah man it's been absolutely nuts you know Kyrie demanding a trade was it's funny how NBA fans are just real quick if we can go on a tangent Maxwell yeah it's it's funny how we're like hey NBA do something make a trade and then Uh a trade happens and everyone's like how could this guy do this what is this team thinking just every like we're getting exactly what we want just so we can be mad at it. And I love it, man, yeah. because I mean, I mean, fan is short for fanatic and we are definitely fanatics, but obviously not here to talk about NBA players. Yeah, sure. But, but they will be soon, man. Yeah. Yeah. They will be real interesting group. Uh, this was a concept. I believe you came up with this one, right? Steven, this was your call. Yeah. Because Nathan, um, just for people who are wondering what, what Nathan's up to, he and Corey are actually going to go see uh Jairus Walker play basketball and um since he was gone dude i was just like hey maxwell do you just want to be sickos without nathan so (laughs) we can so we could talk about some guys that nathan Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have at the top of his list although he likes a good bit of these guys oh for sure yeah i mean we we typically focus on guys that we're that we're writing about and maybe a couple key like prospect matchups and stuff like that but the concept that i have for today was who are some players that you and i both have outside of our top 60 and kind of focusing on like what could they do to get into our top 60 are they kind of flirting mm-hmm. with that and if they're not in our top 60 well why not you know because you know max i don't know how you feel about this but once you get past a certain point like the margin of error is super thin or like the margin yeah. of talent is super thin so these guys are going to be fluctuating up and down my board for like the rest of the process exactly yeah that's a good way to put it because like this in like i always tell people like part of the reason that in my column i do a thing called the expanding big board where i started mm-hmm. the beginning of the year with one guy and i had one guy every single week and i think it's like realistically like however many weeks we are into the season that's like realistically how many guys i can have a really strong opinion about and we're at a point yeah. now where it's like more than that but like down in like the 40 through 100 range like that is so in flux a lot of it comes down to combine performance and i know some people feel like dirty about that and like oh well you shouldn't you shouldn't throw out the whole sample and whatever and i agree but at the same yeah. time if you look who killed the combine last year it was andrew nemhart and Jalen williams and i think more teams wish they maybe would have been even more aggressive about moving those guys up their board after their combine performances um but you look at a guy like tyrese martin last year yeah. it was on nobody's radar didn't see a single person mention him as a draft guy the entire cycle kills portsmouth does phenomenal G League Elite Camp, is it the real deal combine, and then gets drafted by the Hawks. So, like, yeah. this range of the draft is very precarious. 
Um, so there's a lot of ways guys can move way up and move way down. Uh, and we've got a couple of mid-major guys in here too. And I think what we started to notice the last couple of years is those guys always rise late. Like yeah. last year, Vince Williams was in like the 90s by, by ESPN's board, like deep into the cycle, mm-hmm. like until the season was over. And I think a lot of these teams, they have, they have scouts going out and a lot of them just kind of miss these mid-major guys. They're not as on the radar. And then they catch up on the film and they rise up or they do up these post-draft events or workouts or what have you. So those are the kind of guys that we're focusing on today. Um, really excited. So let's just get right in, get sure. right into it. Um, so the first guy that I had is like the definition of a guy who I think is in an extremely precarious position, which is Demoy Hodge. Yeah. Uh, he is a graduate player. Uh, he's currently at Missouri. So he spent two years at State College of Florida, uh, transferred up to Cleveland State, did a really great job there, um, was a part of just that initial program building that was going on there um and then uh transferred over to missouri with dennis gates when dennis gates got the missouri job he took demoy hodge with him and he's looked great there uh demoy hodge for the unfamiliar six foot four guard um he is scoring 14.2 points per game 3.9 rebounds per game only 1.8 assists per game but only 0.7 turnovers Uh, a lot of their offense runs through kobe brown who's sort of a operates as like a point forward for them, but kind of like out of the elbow and stuff like that. Um, His shooting splits for the year, he's 47.1% from the field, 38.1% from three on seven attempts per game. And he's a 72% free throw shooter. And the defense is really where he butters his bread. Uh, 2.3 steals per game, 0.6 blocks per game. Uh, Really strong numbers for a guard. Um, so with Demoy, the reason that he is outside of my lottery is I think he's in a tough spot for a couple of reasons. The first is that um, he is a graduate player and it's going to be really tough for anybody who's a graduate player to like get drafted. Like we just haven't seen it happen yet um, since. And I mean, we're in like year one, year two, basically of, of and, guys having this much eligibility. And real quick, you said outside your lottery, right? Like, you I'm meant- sorry, outside my uh, top okay. 60. That's my, there fault. we go. No, dude, you're um, good. Yeah. Just making so, sure you didn't move them like while you were talking. You yeah. Know, no, while we were the... talking, I moved him to 15. I, I <laughs> like him go. better than guys like Grady <laughs> Dick. No. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, Demoy Hodge just had this like real, just kind of steady ascent. Um, I think part of it is, yeah. So, he's, he's older. He mm. is not getting to run the offense like a traditional point guard would get to, which is probably what you want him to do at the next level. Like, he's probably going to have to play point guard because i don't see him guarding twos just based on his frame he's like 180 pounds um and then the other issue with demoy hodge is that um he's not like a great athlete like he's not super bursty at the rim he doesn't get off the floor that well um like he gets blocks but it's a lot of just like knowing where to be and having good sense and awareness as a defender and i don't think it hurts that he plays for like one of the smartest coaches in the country and dennis Mm -hmm. gates like you were being coached to like the highest level possible at all times with him. But what I do like about him is he's a real deal shooter. He can hit some yep. super deep threes. Um, so I do buy the shot. It's really clean. Uh, and he shows some cleverness with his passing. Like even though the assist numbers aren't crazy, I think he knows what he's doing. Um, he doesn't get bothered by closeouts and he can get off the shot quick. So I think like if you buy the defense, which I do, I think he could really do a number guarding point guards at the next level. And you buy the shot, which I do like, there's there's something there um 
it's going to come down to opportunity like it will for a lot of people in that range. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like to move up, he's just got to stay nuclear. Missouri's got to really go on a run. Um, like, he just has to really increase his visibility. Because in the SEC right now, Missouri is not a standout team. It looked like they might be. And they've had a couple of rough losses since uh, yeah. their hot start. And their Kentucky win, which in hindsight doesn't mean as much as it did at the time. And and whatever. But what, what are your thoughts on Demoy Hodge? Well, yeah, so I just want to throw out a couple of uh, real quick numbers that I found when I was mm-hmm. looking on Synergy, right? Um, 92nd percentile operating in the half court for a guard. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, 86th percentile in transition. He's in the 91st percentile on spot-ups, um, 88th percentile at the rim, a 70th percentile on catch and shoot, and both guarded and unguarded. So like you said, like closeouts don't really bother him that much. Um, 2.4 still or block percentage, excuse me, which is fantastic for a guard. Really and 4.7% um, steals percentage. Only two games out of the 22 that he's played without a steal. And like you mentioned, he's 38% from deep with a couple of bad games, mm-hmm. like a couple of kind of really bad games. That's but, the thing that scares me too, is like his bad yeah. game film, like offensively, if he's not feeling it, like just not offering you a whole lot out there. And that's at the and, college level. Like that gets scary when you think about it at the next level. Exactly, right? And so if you look at like, just defensive first players, right? Like we have Matisse Thibel is like everyone's kind of go-to whenever they talk about like really good defender. Um, if he could only get a shot, you know, same mm-hmm. thing with Isaac Okoro at, at Cleveland, yeah. right? So we have current examples of guys who fantastic defenders, fantastic athletes. Demoy Hodge, like you mentioned, I think he's, I wrote, he's a solid athlete, right? But I don't think that mm-hmm. he's like um, anything particularly to write home about. Right. Um, He's decent at finding an opening. I really like his off ball, like cutting and relocations for shots. Like all of that looks great. Yeah, knows um, where to go. But the majority of the shots do come from deep. You know, he is averaging what ten point five shots per game. About seven of those are coming from <laughs> distance, yeah. right? So, um, not a lot of uh, not a lot of well balanced uh, shooting uh, in in his diet right now. And he's not really asked to move um, with the ball in his hand a bunch, more of an off guard like you had stated. So if I got a guy who is, he might be 6'4", like do you feel confident in saying that he's a real 6'4", Maxwell? I don't feel confident in saying like most guys that are listed height. Yeah. I don't think he's like way under. Like there's some guys yeah. that I look at, I'm like, no, not even close. I don't think he's, he's probably not 6'4", but I don't think he's like six one and a half either. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I think I'm... I for me like when I watch him and like he feels every bit of it, but mm-hmm. um I just want to get your take because I do kind of fell with like okay the guy he's probably going to be listed taller than what he actually is. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in the weight being what it is because you watch him yeah. play he's a little bit slender, um, moved kind of easily. Yeah, and I think that the his size and strength combination is going to be his big weakness coming up to the next level, right? So if I got a guy mm-hmm. who has bad bad games um but also has like good good games and he's not going to have the ball in his hand then we're kind of looking at like a smaller off ball creator for or excuse me shooter with a jumbo initiator on his team and the defense is there so like what you said that that's where he butters his bread i think that he might be able to find his way into the league within time but maxwell do you like obviously neither one of us have him in our top 60 I feel confident in like this being a uh, you know two way contract you know priority undrafted yeah or like free agent to the ten player. yeah yeah because I just I just think it's it's not something like you don't see a lot of 
like point cards get drafted in general. And I think, yeah. I don't know, like it's, it's tough for guards and we're going to talk about another one later, but like, if you aren't like really good with your handle or really creative as a passer, like you have to be a lockdown defender and you have to really mm-hmm. be able to shoot. And even then if you're to my Hodge, it's like, okay, well like at the next level, like are you anything special athletically? Okay. Well, if you're undersized and that's an issue, then like, that's going to take time to fix. And then mm-hmm. by the time you fix that, you're like 25. And then is the team like interested in you or do they want a guy that's like 23 that they can roll the dice on or 22? Like it, it just, yeah. it, it gets so, so it, it's so hard to make it in the NBA. But, but he's a, he's a smart guy, right? Like when you he watch is, him, he's he, a really analyzes smart player. The, he analyzes the game really well. So, and, and I'm a kind of a believer in the work ethic based on everything that I've read and that I've watched of him too. Right. So being uh-huh. able to constantly play up to that next level, he has that upward trajectory. Right. So the work yeah. ethics there, the mind, like the processing is there. I think there's a path for him to be in the NBA, but again, like with everybody else, especially at that guard spot, like where am I prioritizing relative to his positional peers? Right. And and it's, yeah, it's that. And then it's, yeah, it's the whole like fit thing. Like he needs the right fit. And that's true for like most guys, like most oh, yeah. guys, when you get past like 40, like it yeah, really was, gets a lot more fit. depend. <laughs> I was going to say like 20. Yeah. Like, for, for real though. Yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah. And like, I think the point about the scalability is a good one though, right? Cause he was at Cleveland state last year and his numbers are like pretty identical. Like he's yeah. actually rebounding a little bit better. The assists mm-hmm. are up. The turnovers are down. Like the three point percentage is up on higher volume. And that's the thing too. He shot better every year on higher volume, which is always yep. like an indicator that I, I really like to see in players. So like, it does feel like he's just kept getting better. And to your point, like one thing I always talk about is like, will this guy embarrass himself playing at the yeah. next level? And like, I don't know that Demoy the Demoy Hodge can like, I don't know that he can like play in an NBA game and, and be good. But like, yeah. I do think the fact that he won't make a coach rip their hair out is something that he has <laughs> working in his favor. Like that yeah. it matters a lot. Like just in terms of like who a coach wants to have in a practice facility and like being a part of, you know, their camp and things like that. So yeah, he's, he's got a shot. I just, the age and like the frame are the two things. Yeah. Like the, the older you are, the more I care about your frame. And like, sure. that's one of the things holding Hodgeback. Even though the older you get, the easier it is to put on weight. So yeah, yeah, bad, yeah. bad weight though. Right. You want to put on the good weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. For sure. All right. So, so yeah. Do next, you, Do you want to get to, to one of your guys? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hop into to my first candidate and uh, a guy who's gotten a little bit of conversation, I would say in the draft space. Um, I know that, um, you know, friend of ours, uh, Mark Schindler, uh, wrote a piece about him and is looking to, and has been putting his name out in the space as well. But Bryce Hopkins, um, you know, player out of Providence, I believe that he is, if I can see, yeah, about 6'7", 220 pounds, uh, playing out of Providence, was originally mm-hmm. a, a member of Kentucky, transferred out, um, probably wasn't happy with the uh, the depth that they had and where he was in the pecking order, but Providence is a real team this year, man. Yeah, he made, a good, he made a real good call. He made, he a, made real a really good call. good call. He did, man. And um, the the role that he has on this team, he is by and large a focal point. So mm-hmm. I want to point out that he is in the 69th percentile in the half court, which, you know, for his first opportunity playing like a real meaningful role um, in D1 he, basketball. He yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Um, 94th percentile on post-ups, and we'll talk about that. That's kind of like where he resides a little bit. 
Um, on only 13 possessions, he is in the 80th percentile as the pick and roll ball handler. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, maybe there's something to that. He's in the 70th percentile in putbacks, 64th percentile at the rim. Um, most of his other, you know, advanced analytics and stuff like that, right at his average, which is really weird because when you watch him, you would think that some of these other things would pop. Um, his free throw rate's actually pretty good. He's only had one game so far without an assist. I think that that's pretty impressive. In nine out of 23 games, um, he's been without double-digit rebounding. So, I mean, by and large, he crashes the glass a lot as well. Um, one of the things that kind of troubles me a little bit is that most of his shots look like tough shots. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't re- – and I don't know if that's maybe a, a function of the system of Providence for the position that he plays where – it looks like the perimeter is more open than, than for their front court. Um, he he plays the four right now, kind of at an undersized four, but he's very strong, and I think that that really helps him out a lot when we're looking at him and those post-up opportunities. He carves out nice uh, rebounding lanes as well. Um, capable um, to back down most players that he's lined up against. Um, has solid touch around the basket, and he, he really works in kind of that mid-post game really well too. He's not going to be the best mid-post operator, out of the group that we're talking about, but he's actually pretty good. The The shooting's inconsistent though, right? And so mm. if we're talking about a 3-4, a probably at the next level, ideally, that shooting percentage has to climb up. Right now it's in the low 30s. Um, he's a decent mall, ball mover. We talked about that a little, little bit. And I think that he can play more conventional sets than what Providence is running right now. So I think that that kind of that doesn't really do him any favors on film, Maxwell. What have you thought about him so far this year? Yeah, he confuses me a little bit. Like, he's just one of those guys that I don't quite feel like I have a grasp on how to pin him down. Yeah. And I've, it's become one of those things that we're like, I, I really enjoy watching him play. And I like Devin Carter on their team a lot, too. So I, like, I like Devin Carter, too. Yeah. yeah, Providence has slowly become a team that I find myself like putting on my weekly schedule more and more just because I want to like, I want to figure this guy out. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. really interesting to me. I slept on him quite a bit at the beginning of the season. I watched him once earlier in the year and it was just like a little turned off by a few things. Like the positional size isn't great. Like it's six, six, but to your point, he is strong. Like yeah. he is NBA strong. He's going to be able to figure, figure a lot of those things out at the next level. Um, I, I'm not crazy about the defense. Like he's not, no he's very ball watchy off the ball like feet aren't the best doesn't always do the best uh handling himself in space but he's not terrible like it's just it's it's frustrating because he didn't have big defensive metrics last year in a smaller role no. and now this year like he's in a bigger role so like i i just really don't know what to make of him as a defender um but i like the offensive stuff a lot um mm-hmm. he is very strong which like helps him get to his spots a lot but he's also like kind of a hooper. Like he's got some moves yeah. to get to his spots. He's got counters upon counters. He's got a nice spin move. Like he has a bit of a bag. Like there's a real kind of potent like face up game where he can get his own when he needs to. And your point, like a lot of the shots end up being tough, but it's like, I, yeah. I feel like he does a decent job of at least generating himself shots, uh, which a lot of guys can't do. Um, I like his passing vision. I think his passing vision's a little bit, better than the numbers probably say like it's like it's 2.4 assists per game but like the assist or turnover isn't great and yeah. i like he's not like in a terrible situation but i i overall believe in his passing feel and how he sees the game like i think he's a smart player uh he's local like he's from not far from me the word on him was always kind of positive locally like i don't know a ton about him haven't like 
dug around and asked, you know, interrogated <laughs> people about him. But sure. I always heard really good things when he was at Fenwick High School. Um, the other issue with him is just like the shot. Like he doesn't take a ton of threes. No. Um, so he's taking two a game. He's hitting 32.6%. Um, on synergy, like catch and shoots grayed out like basically exactly where his percentages are. I want to say it was like yeah. right around 32% on catch and shoots. I'm pulling that up right now. Okay, it's 29.8. So yeah. that's where it gets tricky. Is like, so we don't really know what to make of him as a defender. He doesn't quite have NBA size for a four, and he doesn't have an outside shot. But you watch the games, and it's like, man, this guy's really good. He's a difference <laughs> so maker. He is. He is. And Providence is winning. So, like, I, I don't quite. Sorry, my daughter's making Chewbacca noises in the background. She's <laughs> coming through fine. it all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I. I wonder what the best move for him is because if he stays in college, mm-hmm. like he has all the studio space you could want and he's doing it on yeah. a winning team. Like he's making mm-hmm. a difference, but it's also one of those things where it's like, should, should he just go to the NBA? Should he just like go there and like figure it out there? Like get in a better strength and conditioning program, get moving, work with the shooting coaches there. Like, is that the best path for him? It might be like I wouldn't I don't know it's it's weird whenever a guy is scoring like 18 points for like 16 points per game and, and on a winning team and they go back so yeah and one thing that you touched on I wrote that he has uh he has a pretty decent positional handle and I think that that kind of helps him get to those moves you know those little combo dribbles operating off the block to where he can you know dribble kind of hit a, a quick cross and then into a little mid post step back and like you touched on, he makes them, he works himself into those spots. And you can just tell that he's comfortable and confident whenever he gets those opportunities. He doesn't really ever look phased there. My biggest thing is, one, is is an NBA team going to look to add a player like that within the top 60 of their board, right? Where mm-hmm. kind of that bully ball style, um, but also undersized, coupling the bully ball style with his frame. Um, the outside shot's not there. The passing is okay, but it's not necessarily anything to write home about. Um, but just a player that I feel like, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the players outside our top, top 60 that might have the opportunity to come back in um, to being a draftable guy, mm-hmm. I feel like Bryce Hopkins is a player worth mentioning because he oh, totally. is, he's, he's within that range. And I know a lot of people like him but don't love him or they love him but they don't have him in the top 60, you know, to, to kind of spin it to how we typically love our, you know, 112th prospects on our boards, Maxwell, but um, still keep them outside our top 60. I just, I wanted to focus on him because he's a player that at one point, you know, I wrote about, you know, Keontae Johnson out of Kansas state mm-hmm. lately. And I was like, you know, what's the difference between these two guys? Because they both operate similarly or, you know, at a similar position, but after the, film dive on both of them they're just like two totally different players where Keon, yeah you yeah trust that. you trust the outside shot you trust the passing you trust mm-hmm. the athleticism and the defense i would say is even a step ahead too whereas for Bryce, sure yeah it looks like he's a little slower footed than Keontae, so that kind of that kind of troubles me yeah Keontae, i think is just like a better athlete as a whole like i feel like he's he's got like a little more surprise burst he's gets off the floor a little bit better. Like, I think he's just got a few athletic advantages there. Yeah. Um, but I do think to your point, like we were talking earlier about like, what can guys do to improve their stock? And like, don't you think if Bryce just shoots, like, don't you think if he gets in and we're like kind of, I mean, running out of time from a game standpoint, but like 
Do you think if he finds a way to like end the year on like 36% from three? Would I think you, it's would a you shot. feel better about it? Like I would I would feel better, yeah, because I mean we're talking about a guy who has like NBA strength, I would say, you mm-hmm. know, like yeah. you don't worry about him holding up, you know, Not a positionally if he's like scaling up or down, right? But mm-hmm. the, sh- the shots really got to be the thing that comes around for him. And we always, I feel like, you know, that's the one thing that people trap themselves in all the time is that if they only get the jump shot, right? And we just, we see too many horror stories. And again, I feel like the four Maxwell in this year's draft is incredibly deep this season. You know, like the yeah. the power wing or the fours that that we're that we're looking at this year. I feel like he's just going to kind of fall victim to the depth of that position within this draft class. So, with Bryce, then, um, I guess my next question would be: If how do we how do we feel about the shot? Because like it's obviously like going to come down for that for him, like it will for a lot of people. Last yeah. year, he only took half a free throw a game. This year, he gets line a ton because he's so physical. Yep. He takes 6.1 a game, 75%. Um, hits tough ones in the mid-range. Like, do you, where do you buy his shot, like, relative to his peers? Like, do you feel better about him figuring out that three? Or do you think it's, like, going to be kind of a battle? Well, I mean, if I could just look at some guys who I think play similar, you know, like, uh, Matt, you know, Maxence Prosper out of Marquette. I feel like I believe mm-hmm. his shot a little bit better. Um, yeah. If I'm looking at, let's see here, Keontae Johnson, we already talked about him. Keontae has been a reliable three-point shooter for a long time. Josiah Jordan-James mm-hmm. has been a reliable three-point shooter. Um, and has like a mid-range, like the same thing, like nice mid-range game. Yeah, so I mean, those are kind of guys that I have in a similar range positionally within my board outside of my top 60. Mm-hmm. And then you got to consider that guys like, you know, Coleman Hawkins are probably going to get taken ahead of him too. Um, yeah. Obi Clintman, I like his long-term shooting prospects a little bit better as well. So um, Mark Mitchell is even showing some interesting shooting potential out of his. I really like position. Mark Mitchell's game. I really right. like his game. He just fills the gap so well. Yeah, and he's playing out of position for Duke right now, and mm-hmm. he's doing a decent job of it, right? So if I'm looking at all of these guys who I kind of have in that like 61 to 100 range, um, I would say that I feel less, he's probably one of the guys that I feel the least confident in mm-hmm. positionally in, in terms of turning into a shooter, which doesn't really help him out at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to another guy with like a bit of a, a jump shot question. Um, I kind of have a bit of a theme with my first two guys, I guess. Uh, yeah. So this guy's shooting a little bit better on the year, but similarly a, a low volume guy. Uh, we're going to talk about Kobe Johnson at USC, mm-hmm. the younger brother of Jalen Johnson. Uh, Kobe Johnson is a six, five sophomore. Um, he is scoring 8.1 points per game, 4.9 rebounds, 2.9 assists uh, to 1.6 turnovers. So really good decision maker at six, five. 2.2 mm-hmm. assists per game, or I'm sorry, 2.2 steals per game and half a block per game. 46.8% from the field, 37% from three, and 86.7% from the free throw line. I really feel like Kobe Johnson's going back to school. Um, yeah. And I'm not like a big pre-draft guy of the concept of like, <laughs> oh yeah, just take a guy early. Like I don't, I don't love to do that. Like I feel like, I, I don't know. It, it's it's a gamble, and I'm I'm generally not a gambling man with second round picks. But isn't it crazy how that like 
concept was like so in vogue last season and like you don't really hear anything about it anymore yeah i feel like this year there just like aren't a lot of guys for it but i feel like last year last year there was like a million freshmen that were like had like first round pick buzz to a degree and they all just like stayed in the draft so teams like i think teams ended up doing it that like i don't know i don't want to say they didn't want to do it but it was just like well like the lakers are picking they're like hey max christie's pretty interesting let's just take him like there was a lot of picks like that or like caleb houston was one like there were a lot of guys that i think kind of ended up getting pre-drafted just because they stayed in but i don't know how crazy about it teams are that'd be interesting to like poke around and find out about but uh but i really like kobe johnson i think he's a monster 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 defender like i think he's one of the best wing defenders in college hoops his feet and length are absurd um does a really great job rotating like that guy moves like crazy and he stays so balanced his balance is impeccable like i've yet to see a play where like he closes out with steam and the guy like catches him off balance and beats him it doesn't happen it's uncanny um really special in that respect um but i also and like he wrecks up steals like without gambling a ton like he he knows when he can cheat and like when he can get away with it but he's not a guy who's like i gotta gotta get my numbers like kind of (laughs) dart a passing lane and like accidentally give up a layup or like i'm gonna try to play behind a guy to be clever and actually give up a layup doesn't do any of that like it's it's a very composed game for a high production defender uh, and I like the offense. Like the thing that's killing him is the volume is low. Like he, right. Yeah. Like he's scoring eight points per game. He takes two threes per game. So like, that's probably the right amount of threes given his role. He's taking like under six shots per game, but also teams don't tend to draft guys that are taking under six shots per game, especially when they're not like highly touted one and done freshmen in a peculiar situation. Like yep. usually sophomores don't get that kind of opportunity. Um, but I do like the offense a lot. Like I really buy him as a passer um takes good angles at the rim can really like split seams with bounce passes has good pocket passes um he knows where to to fill gaps on the perimeter off the ball like he has a nose for the glass like there's just all these little things i love about him and i think he just needs to like prove he can score a little bit more and i don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to get to do that but and, and it's been like slower over the last couple mm-hmm. months like he he went on this run like right before the holidays and i was like oh man this is going to be one of these guys that we look back at and we're like oh man this that's when kobe took off and like he scored 9.6 points per game since the turn of the year like and the efficiency's great the efficiency is yep. phenomenal like since the turn of the year 46 percent from the field 43.8 percent from three 89 percent from the free throw line i buy the shot i buy the defense Shots i think he's there. a good athlete yeah. So like I'm I'm into him, but guys that score eight points a game generally still get drafted. So that so t- talk to me about talk to me about Kobe Johnson. Are you like as into him as I am, or are you like you're out to lunch putting a guy that, in this range when that's what they're doing? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Derek Lively is probably going to get drafted, and I don't know yeah. if he's averaging eight points a game. Right? Oh no, so, he's I mean, averaging they're... like four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, but in all seriousness, man, like I didn't really watch. I mean, obviously, I watch Kobe Johnson, you know, yeah. like we sh- we share our boards all the time. And we're just like, oh, dude, did you see my 618th ranked prospect? And how- <laughs> yeah, they really <laughs> have a shot. There's a path yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah, like I really think he's got a chance to play in Europe next year. Um, <laughs> but Kobe is one of these guys that, you know, probably me being an East Coaster, 
and uh, him being in the West Coast team. I haven't really seen him play a lot. So I'm glad that when we decided, you know, the theme of the show that you had mentioned him because his name actually came up whenever I was interviewing uh, Brandon Pajemski. Both of these guys played together in a U-ball, right? And so, you know, by the way, like what like a nasty wing pair to have to just play as a high schooler. Like I know they're playing like other elite high schools, but still like, geez, yeah, not fun to play two level like that nasty of a defender, that nasty of a shooter. Both of them can pass. Yeah, that's, just, a, that's a rough way to spend a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, totally, totally not a good time if you're not not on that <laughs> team, right? But you know, it's just funny because Brandon has played with several like siblings of of brothers, and like he's mm-hmm. kind of kept that theme going at Santa Clara. Um, but Kobe, man, like he's 59th percentile overall on offense, 67th at the rim. 65th unguarded catch and shoots on unguarded if uh, my mm-hmm. if my uh, alliteration wasn't that great there um 4.6 steals percentage uh 2% uh, block percentage he's shooting at almost 36% from deep which you touched on and almost 51% on his two pointers his free throw rate's actually pretty decent too considering mm-hmm. the volume of shooting that he is on at 42.9 and when i was watching him you know i kind of texted you and was like am is he just like Kyle Kuzma just maybe a little bit smaller. <laughs> yeah. Because when I'm I watching like that comp though, like you said that and I was like, what is he? And then I was like, no, no, I, I get it. I mean, they both wear the number zero. So that kind of skewed mm-hmm. my, my, my thought there. But I mean, if you look at how they play the game, just like the sweet jump shooting, I love both of their jump shots. Mm-hmm. Um, Both willing passers, both have good vision. Um, I like them both in the open court and, um, his defense can be a little bit of the Olay variety where he can kind of let guys get past him, mm-hmm. but you can see whenever he's got position and he's really assertive on defense that there, that there are things there to build upon, right? Where the, the block and still percentage for his height at his position, I think is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And just considering how young this guy is, like I, I'll be honest with you, Maxwell, I don't have him uh, in my top 100, but mm-hmm. I do think that going back and watching him, I'm probably going to move him up from where I had him just because of, you know, you can only watch so much film, right? But um, he was a guy that I grew more intrigued with the more film I watch. And there's definitely a pathway, I think, for him to get into that range. But the great news for Kobe Johnson, in my opinion, is that he doesn't have to be there this year. You know what I mean? No, like, no. Mm-hmm. There's certainly ways that he can improve himself and, and get into that range. I think he's having a heck of a year right now at USC, though. So here's a question for you, and it's kind of an odd one. Sure. So Matisse Teibel is a sophomore mm. at Washington. Yeah. Had a steal percentage of 3.9 and a block percentage of 2.2. Yeah. So lower steal rate than Kobe Johnson by like quite a bit and just like a slightly higher block rate. And I feel better about Kobe Johnson's jump shot, like by a pretty considerable margin than Matisse is. Yeah. And Matisse, like he's not great, but he's he's playing NBA rotation minutes on a playoff team. So like, why am I not drafting Kobe Johnson if he comes I'm, in this year? I feel like this I'll, is like the one guy I really like need somebody to like talk me off the ledge about because I I like I I would like I think I draft him like if I'm being real like if I'm redoing my board right now I think Kobe Johnson's in there. I don't think that he's like going like if I can just some conjecture. He's got here. quite a bit better defensively those last two years too. He did, like, and that's and then worth noting contextually too, like two completely different styles of defense to com- compared Playing to the what, two three zone at Washington. Yeah, so 
I just I don't feel like Kobe Johnson is going to be like a dude that declares this year. Like mm-hmm. that's just like my initial gut reaction based on the entire college overtime international G League scene. I just don't think that he's going to be in there. So that's kind of like the biggest part that I have baked into there. But if he is coming in, like I definitely I don't know. I just I feel really good about my top 100 and where I have guys right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'll I'll be vulnerable. I'll I'll share my stupid opinions that everybody loves. Right. Um, from 90 to 100 right now, I have Jalen Pickett, Demoy Hodge, um, Kobe Bufkin, who's going to get moved up. This is just for my last mm-hmm. board. Kobe Brown, Jaden Bradley, Alex Fudge, who could probably f- maybe fall out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. KJ Simpson, uh, Will Richard. Chris Livingston, Trey White, and Matthew Cleveland. Like all names. Uh, yeah, that I've got I had, like four, maybe five of those guys. I feel like I'd go into my head, probably take them this year out of Kobe. Yeah. And so, and then if you saw the rest of my board, like really sitting down and looking at the names, I'm like, who can I squeeze in here and who can I squeeze mm-hmm. out? Like I got like maybe five or six names that I could probably talk myself down but then i'm looking through my next 10 players uh, you know 101 to 110 i think kobe might be able to contend in that range but i don't know man like it's a lot of guys it's a lot of basketball players out there that's a far cry from you know tops 58 this year Mm -hmm. right with the two forfeited yeah (laughs) with the two which is knock that off just give the team the pick let's draft 60 guys and i know people are like oh well a lot of guys want to go undrafted anyway i don't care there are two guys that would like to be drafted. I'm sure yes. they would hear their name called. Let's keep. Why are we punishing the? the why are we draft. punishing the players for a mistake that the team did? I hate yeah. that. I hate that. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of that. Um, Please do. But yeah, right. man. So I just, I just looking at the names that I have ahead of them, I just have a really hard time justifying mm-hmm. sliding them in there, and then even in the, the draft range, I'm just like, ah, I don't for know. Sure. Man. So I think where you are on Kobe Johnson is kind of like where I'm at with your next guy. So let's let's get into him. Yeah, and you heard me mention that guy's name in my kind of like 92-100. But there's a lot that I like about him, man. And, you know, shout out to Metcalf. I do really like guys outside my top 58 here. But uh, KJ Simpson out of Colorado. And points uh, per possession overall on offense, he grades out on average. Um, at .863. Um, you put in his assist, that jumps up to 1.113. So, like, obviously he's going to be a good facilitator. Um, 73rd percentile, which ranks out as very good as a ball hand, pick-and-roll ball handler. Same thing in isolation. Off screens, he's in the 96th percentile, albeit on 13 processions. Um, he's got a really good runner as well. Um, he's really going to create for himself offensively more so than um, – create off of a pass from someone else but i really think that that's kind of a an indication of the team that he's playing on right now at colorado to put it nicely um crazy stupid assist percentage at 25.8 2.7 steals percentage um he's an 80 percent free throw shooter which i want to touch on that because he's only a 30 percent three-point shooter um he's 11 of his 23 games have had four or more assists he's got 10 games with a uh, multi-steal games and Maxwell, this is the point of the uh, conversation here that I want to incorporate a new stat that I'm calling blunks, right? Mm -hmm. And this is in the same vein as stocks, you know, with the steals and blocks. Uh, Blunks are a combination of blocks and dunks. And I know that a lot of people look at these two stats as 
indications of athleticism. So I'm going to combine these two things. He has 10 blunks on the year. So Maxwell, when I'm looking at him, he can make a lot of really beautiful feeds out of the pick and roll. Um, He's not afraid to attack the rim despite being listed at 6'2", 175 pounds. He moves away or he moves very well away from the ball. Um, surprisingly good offensive rebounder, like very competitive yeah, in yeah, the same weird. mold mm-hmm. as like what we see from Kobe Bufkin. Um, uh, very similar in that aspect. Um, shot doesn't look busted, but there's inconsistency there. Uh, Maxwell, if I could, you know, pick your brain for a second. Mm-hmm. The the base looks a little bit skinny to me whenever I see him yeah. shoot. So I think that, you know, not having a stable enough platform. And sometimes he even off of a skinny base, like moves off of it. So even more instability into that jump shot. So I think that there's a path that the shot can get there. I do too. And I think that's like part of the reason the free throw shooting is good, right? Is it like he can kind of take his time yep. with his base? Because one of the things I, I put in my notes is actually very similar, which is that stroke is clean at the top, which like yep. there's a reason I put at the top. Like the base is not not always there. Um, but I, I yeah, I think KJ Simpson is a really interesting player. I'm with you on like the passing stuff, especially. Like I think he's... And just like as a driver too, like he, mm-hmm. he sees the floor really nicely. And another guy where like, yeah, the like, assist turnover, I don't want to say like throw it out. Cause Colorado is not like the worst team in the world, but no, I, I think he's a better like playmaker than like the basic numbers say they are. Yeah. Um, I got to see on that team who is another, like, I liked Silva. Yeah. He he's a, he's a good college player, you know? Um, so with Simpson, I like his creativity a lot. Like, I think he has a very well-developed, like, attacking and driving game. A mm-hmm. um, lot of counters, um, some real creativity. He's good with his footwork. I like the handle. Uh, takes interesting angles at the rim to protect yep. the ball, even though he's not, like, the most crazy vertical athlete or anything like that. Um, so I, I feel like I have a pretty solid belief in him. I just, like, don't see him as a draft guy for this year. And I think part of it is that, he is 6'2", and like I mentioned earlier, like it is just tough for guards. Like there are so many basketball players in the world that are six foot four and under that like if that's the height you are, like you've got to really have your stuff together if you're coming into the NBA. I think he's a better defender, just real quick, than the than the numbers indicate. Like I okay. feel like I every time I watch him, I'm a little surprised by how well he covers ground. And I feel like he does better in rotations than most six two guys do as mm-hmm. far as just like getting where he needs to be. And I like his instincts as well. Um, so for me, just real quick defensively, I've kind of noticed that he gets happy feet a lot whenever he's on the perimeter on his man. Like he, yeah, he'll, yeah. He'll, he bites on jab steps pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I'm scouting, if I'm scouting him and I'm telling my ball handler, like, dude, just pump fake, he'll go for it. <laughs> just mm-hmm. pump fake and he's yeah. he's gonna bite on it but i do like you mentioned the rotation stuff i think is there and the stuff that he does need to clean up i feel like it's pretty it, just tell your guy not to jump you know what i mean mm-hmm. or tell him just you know for, force the guy to decide like don't play the middle don't be so susceptible to the bevy of moves that the guy across from you can get you with yeah so i yeah i think where i struggle with him is that he's six two so there's just a lot of guys that size yep. that i think are more ready the shot concerns me. And I think part of the, sh- the thing with the shot too is like we mentioned the base, but he also like has directional misses a lot where it's not just short or long. Like yeah. in the games that I saw, maybe it's just like, I've not like, admittedly watched a ton of Colorado. How dare um, you? 
Yeah, I know. I, I <laughs> Nikkei Clifford's gonna like come to my house, and no, uh, I like Nikkei Clifford by the way. Yeah, uh, real nice, another just real nice college player. Um, he misses to the left a lot. Like, I've probably only seen three mm-hmm. or four Colorado games, but like, I was like, oh, there's like another miss to the left from KJ Simpson. Um, so yeah, so you're taking a guy who is undersized, uh, not just from like a height standpoint, but like weight to like at 175 or whatever he's listed at he is not a reliable jump shooter and even off the catch like off the catch he is at 26.7 percent from synergy so it's not even like oh you just pair him next to a bigger initiator he can catch and shoot kind of thing and then he's a better shooter yeah he's a better shooter off of dribble jumpers than he is off of a clean catch and shoot Yep. So I just think like the complimentary aspect of his game is like a little bit difficult from that standpoint. And then I think like just the athleticism, the body, the fact that like bigger guys are going to puff through them, the happy feet on the ball. Like there's just too much that's not there, but I mm-hmm. do think I like, he's just another one of those guys where if you watch him and it's like, I think he's better than these numbers say he is. Like, I think there's yeah. a real path for him. I think he probably is going to have to be a four year guard guy just because of how hard it is for guards now. Um, yep. I think he's interesting. I just can't get there with him this year. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm in the same way. Like he piques my interest. Like you'll watch, you'll watch his games, and you're just like, okay, like he is clearly the best guy on his team. And then you'll be watching another game, and you'll see the score, you know, the the ticker on the bottom. You'd be like, holy crap, KJ Simpson just dropped like 26 points in his game, you know, and had like three <laughs> yeah, or four yeah. assists. You're like, like you'll you'll look at the numbers that he puts up in a game. And you're like, holy crap, like why am I not paying more attention to this guy? And mm-hmm. then you, do, you, then you do your due diligence in both film and the analytics. And it kind of shows you that, yes, he is like a very talented collegiate guard, but there are some glaring holes and concerns in his game, which again, the things that we're talking about though, can be cleaned up to help improve his draft, his draft stock. But just a player that because of the, the very explosive outings that this young man can, can put up on, on a you know every couple week basis is just like I wanted to give him a little bit more focus and shine on this week, for sure, for sure. And I think like th- this next guy's like one of my guys. We're like he's just straight I'm up. I'm so of my glad guys. you like he's a guy. Him, he's yeah. a guy I like a lot. Uh, ben Shepard. So Ben Shepard is a senior at Belmont. He is six 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 seven. Um, was a no stone unturned guy for me over the summer. Like one of the guys I covered, and I just like fell in love with his game during that series like i liked him a lot like i thought i don't i don't think he's a better prospect than will richard per se but like i thought he was the better player for belmont last year and like i watched a ton of belmont over the summer so like ben shepherd like some of the stuff i'm gonna get into with him is gonna sound really nitpicky but it's just because i've watched a lot of him compared to most prospects in his range um i just love his game i interviewed him for the series he gets it like just on a personal level, he was very self-aware when I spoke with him. He was like, Hey, this is the stuff I need to work on. This is what I'm doing to get better at it. Um, but he also like really knows what he does well. And he's really confident in himself. Like I oh, yeah. came away from the conversation I had with him, liking him as a human being a lot, liking his mentality a lot. And like that dude, when he goes into interviews, he's going to know how to handle his business and he's improved so much of the things he needed to work on that. It's like, I believe every word that he told me over the phone. Like there's a lot of guys like you talk to him and it's like, I just kind of have to believe it, I guess. Yep. And then like, you don't, you don't know if they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And Ben did. Um, he filled out his frame. He got a lot bigger this year. Um, 
but let's just start nuts and bolts. Who is, who is Ben Shepard? Cause a lot of people are not watching Belmont all the time. Uh, so he is a senior wing. He's scoring 19.4 points per game. Uh, uh, 48.1% from the field, 41.5% from three on 6.4 threes per game, 65.4% yep. free throw shooter. Um, he's like 80 some percent on free throws after the start of the year. I think he went through like a mental thing with free throws early in the year. where like, it's kind of weirdly was, been a bad free throw shooter. Like his, his whole, whole career. career. Yeah. And, but he started the year like 40% on free throws and was there like until the new year. Now he's making like 80% of them. So I'm hoping it's just like behind him. Yeah. Uh, 5.2 rebounds per game, 3.1 assists to 2.1 turnovers. That's been a huge development area. We'll get to that. Uh, 1.4 steals, 0.2 blocks. So the big thing with Ben Shepard is the shooting. Um, he was not a shooter going into college and he knew nope. that like, that was the thing he needed to work on to get on the court. Um, he has improved his volume and percentage every year. Yep. So he came into college shooting 1.3 threes per game. He's now up to 6.4 was a 27.9% three-point shooter now up to 41.5. And he is a real deal shooter. Like he is very good off of movement. Hits Mm -hmm. a lot of threes uh, coming off screens, coming off handoffs. He is shooting a ton of pull-up threes. He's taken like a bunch of threes off the dribble this year, pulling up those numbers right now. Uh, 32 threes off the dribble. He's hit 16 of them. Catch and shoots, 124 attempts, 40.3% from three. This is a guy who can just shoot the cover off the ball and he has size. So like, if we're just like narrowing in on like why Ben Shepard, that's it. Mm -hmm. NBA size, got bigger, can shoot threes. Um, I do think he's grown as a playmaker a lot. Like that was something we talked about. It's like he, and there's still like flaws to it. Like I think he he dribbles kind of high, like his handles high. Um, doesn't got a lot of wiggle off of the bounce. No, either. and he he yeah. played. He is like this. This is like where I'm going to start to get like really nitpicky with him. He is one of the most upright players I've ever yes. seen. Like he plays with zero bend. Like he is standing up straight, and like he gets his shot blocked at the rim a lot. Just like he doesn't get up well because like try jumping without any bend in your knees. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh like that is something he's got to clean up. He has low blocks because he plays very upright. Um, yeah, nine blunks on the year. Yeah, well. low blunt guy, low blunt guy. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he's really creative. He sees the floor well, and I think that defensively on ball, he's very good. Like he does a very good job of containing guys and keeping people yes. in front of him. He was one of the few people to hold Scotty Pippen Jr. to ten points or below last season. Like he, when he is like guarding the ball, he is determined and he stays in front of it. And he generally knows where to be as far as rotations go. Um, but he does guard better down than up. Like he's still not super strong. And like, I don't know what his wingspan is. Cause like, he's one of those guys who looks like he's all legs and like, maybe it's yeah. just cause the shorts that he wears. The shorts. Like, yes. Shorts Thank you. Guy. I was going to mention but, that. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's just because he's wearing shorts that I'm Optical seeing so illusion. much of his legs, but yeah, like he looks like he's all legs. So I, I don't yeah. like, I'd be interested to know what the wingspan is on him. But at the end of the day, six, six guards the ball. Well, shoots the ball. Uh, good decision maker. He's gotten better every single year. Great attitude. Great work ethic. I'm in on Ben Shepard. Like he's, he's 100% going to be on my next board. And he's like a guy that I feel like I've had more and more people ask me about. Like I just see his name coming up more and more. Like I, I think he's really on the rise right now. Yeah. I think that he's a, he's a guy that can, when I was talking about the top 100, I think that he's a real threat to squeeze his way in there. Um, 86 percentile overall on offense, 84th in the half court, 71st in transition. Um, 
80 or excuse me, 91st in pick and roll ball handling situations, right? Yeah. Um, really 76 pick and roll. Now. Just if you want to look at any of his, you know, where he grades out in synergy offensively, like you're going to have a hard time finding any area of his game that he's just like flat out bad at. Like he's, he can do a lot of great things offensively. Um, You mentioned how he's continuously improved as a shooter. He's averaging 1.4 steals per game, something that he has continuously improved each and every year that he has been um, playing 3.1 assists per game. That's a career high. He's only had one game without an assist out of 25 games. He's had 14 games with three or more assists, four games, only four games without a steal. He's had 10 multi-steal games. And again, I mentioned the nine blunks that he's had on the year. Um, He's an aggressive attacker, albeit without any of the bend that you were talking about or lean, whatever you know, mm-hmm. um, vocabulary that we want to use here. Yeah. He's a solid athlete. I think that he's mm-hmm. more of a, a, a power guard athlete than he is like say a, a bursty or speed one, which 1,000%. it kind of limits like what a team is going to be able to do with him. Right. Yeah. Um, If he's operating within a catch and catch and shoot capacity, I think that that's actually kind of cool. Like look, look and see what Desmond Bain has done for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got a beautiful shot. You know, you, you touched on how he didn't, come into Belmont with a great shooting potential. He has worked on it every year and it's just such a, a beautiful shot. The passing, it's not gonna, you know, bend the court, I would say by any means, but serving as a connector, I think that he's more than capable. Yep. Um the the interior scoring isn't that spectacular. Um, you know, and I think that that has to do with uh, you know the lack of bend in his knees that you were talking about. But yeah, very it's good like under mid, straight mid range stuff is good. Yeah. Like it's like I feel like that is where like a lot of like his inside of the arc stuff was the past couple seasons. And then, yeah, like when he gets to the rim is where it's a little tougher. Yeah. He's like when Gimli and Lord of the Rings says, you know, we dwarfs aren't natural sprinters, but very, very dangerous at a short distance. Like that's what <laughs> kind of, that's yeah. kind of like what Ben Shepard's at when I watch him on offense. Um, and I just think that the defense, you talked about how he's grown in that area. I still think that that's going to be kind of the, the area of his game that holds him back because he, again, he's more of a power guard than he is like a fleet of foot guard. And I think that that's going to hurt his scalability. Yeah. I feel like that's like the conversations I've had with people who are more skeptical about him bring up the defense and are a little bit more worried about it than I am. Yeah. Um, Cause I do think that he moves well enough laterally. I just wonder like if he did get into his stance more, like, is it, like, is yeah. it something that's that simple or is it a more because if it is like a foot, like a true foot speed issue, like then it becomes more complex because right now at the mid-major level, like he can kind of play guys off his chest a little bit. And like there's like ways that he can compensate for it that are not going to be there at the next level. And like you don't think he's probably guarding up at the next level, right? Like, it's like I don't see him as like, uh-huh. I see him as more of like a two than like a, yeah, a absolutely. Three, four type. So like, yeah. So I think like that. If, so if it is a foot speed issue, then like it gets really troubling for him. Um, but I, th- yeah, I think ultimately what he's going to have going for him still is like the size is going to make it a little bit easier. I yeah. really think he knows how to play. And I think the shots there. And I think like when we are talking about this range and we're talking about margins, so much of it is just like, who would you rather have around? Exactly. Because like the talent margins are so thin that it's like, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather have Ben Shepard around than like, most people I know in my life, you know, what I mean? like off <laughs> of one phone call this with took, him. Yeah. This took a quick turn. No, no, no. I just mean like, like he seems like a guy that like, if I were to 
be building a team from scratch and it's like hey who do you want to have like the 15th spot on your roster like i would trust him because i know he's not gonna like be a distraction or be an idiot like he's he's mature um and i think that's i think that's fair. Quite a bit early in his career so like mm-hmm. i think he's gonna be around like i don't know that he's ever like a guy that is a really key part of a great team or anything like that but it wouldn't shock me if he's a guy that just like is always around the league and on teams because i think he has something that he can reliably give you when he plays which is the shooting yep um the fact that he's not tiny helps and then like yeah he's just an adult yeah and i think that's fair um and again a player that i've grown to like more the more that i watch him but again mm-hmm. like there's just so many players that 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 give you that exact same thing you yeah know? yeah and it's it's really tough but Maxwell, last guy that I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Technically, he's my guy that I'm bringing into the conversation, mm-hmm. but I think we're both very big fans of this guy. So I want to end it. Wanted to end it on a high note. Talking about Jalen Forbes, man, the the Green Wave guy. Um, mm-hmm. he is so much fun. He's what like six five. Um, he's six five, name? and I saw him in person, and he looked like that dude is six five. Like that guy is. I yeah. firmly believe him to be six five, and I believe him to be like a a big plus wingspan guy too. Yeah. I, and I would say he plays bigger than six, five, you know, I think, and I think that that helps Tulane out a lot. And just to kind of spoiler alert here, wasn't in my top 60 is definitely going to be in my top 60 by our next uh, big board rendition. So 94th percentile in the half court, 86th percentile in transition. This is just going to be a lot of really nice stats here. 97th percentile on cuts, 94th percentile off screens, 77th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. Um, he's in the 73rd on handoffs. He's in the 76th on catch and shoots. 95th in dribble jumpers. 74th percentile at the rim. He's got a 3.0 steals percentage. He's shooting 37% from deep. He's giving you two steals per game. He's only had four games out of 22 without a steal. Um, and he has, let me see here, 11 blunks on the year and only two games with more than two turnovers on the year. So he takes very nice care of the ball. Um, Maxwell, willing passer, nice shooter, decent athlete. He's actually pretty good at seeking like four-point plays. That's something that stood out on the film to me, and I kind of love that about him. Um, moves well without the ball. Um, he can shoot off of movement, so he's not just one of these like stationary shooters. I like that about him a lot. He hustles. He can play the passing lanes. His on-ball is a little bit rough. Um, his consistency on closeouts could be a little bit better, but he's strong. He's not afraid to body up somebody. Again, plays hard, crashes the glass. And I think that once he understands like how to properly position himself and like help and denial um, stances on the ball, it'll greatly improve his defense. But by and large, man, just an absolute flamethrower out there on the court, man. I, I love me some Jalen Forbes. Yeah, so I... Actually, this is an odd anecdote. So Jalen Forbes is like really consistent. I think it's like one thing that's important to mention just at the top with him. So he has one game on the year with less than 10 points. Uh, Love to see that. Um, But this is a shooter too. So like he's taken on a little bit bigger of a role every single year for Tulane. And now over the last three seasons, he is taking 6.6, 6.7, and 7.3 threes per game. 36.8%, 38.7%, 37.3%. And you see a lot of like long ones and tough ones. So it's not like a crazy percentage, but at the same time, the volume is really high. The difficulty is high and he just 
he can do it. It's not a guy where it's like, oh yeah, he was like 31% from three for four years. And now like all of a sudden he's 38% and like you have to make a decision about if you think that's real or not. Like it's, it's pretty safe to say that whatever level he ends up playing at professionally, he will be able to shoot threes respectively, uh, respectively at that level. Um, Mm -hmm. So I actually got in on Jalen Forbes. Like he was a guy I had my eye on. And I think Tulsa has like, five guys where it's like these guys like if, if things go right they could have a top 100 case like that's how it felt going into the year um forbes has been the standout guy of that pack uh for me you mean for two lane i'm sorry for two lane what did i say yeah you said tulsa another team oh i was looking fine. yeah i was looking at yeah. i just saw tulsa on like because that was the team that held them to under 10 points i was so gonna say they did that's play, why yes. i said that yeah so gotcha. um i got in on Forbes is like a top 100 guy after watching him play in person against George Mason when he had one of his worst games of the season. Mm, and like, okay. I, I love when I watch a guy's bad game and I'm like, I still like what you're doing out there, man. So he mm-hmm. had a brutal first half. Couldn't get the shot to go. He was four for 16 from the field. And he scored 12 points. Um, but he really started to compensate for the fact that that shot wasn't falling and he was attacking more. He had two steals. He had two blocks and he was like, Oh, oh there was, I know people like are people don't like when you talk about body language. Like I feel like people get like really like <laughs> mad about it. Like I feel like yeah, there's, like, a set, there's like some people that like think it's like a life or death thing. And there are other people that are like, you're being a loser. If you talk about yeah. body language or whatever, but Come like, on, he man. was, but he, yeah. yeah, but it felt like he was like the emotional leader of that two lane team. Like they were mm-hmm. having a rough game against George Mason. And he was the one guy who felt like I'm not quitting. Like he yeah. was the guy who just felt like, no, we're staying in this game. And I think that's like a really important thing is I just love the mentality that he plays with. Um, so I think ultimately you're looking at the guy who is a real deal six five, um, physically looks good, like good, good body in a good in a good place there, gets a ton of steals, knows how to play defense, knows how to shoot. Um mm-hmm. yeah, he can he like moves like a guy. guy too, you know? Yeah, he does. He does. Um I'd be interested to see like how he handles the skilled back role, because like there are games where it feels like he does force the shot a little bit. Sure. Um, and like, he'll take some like tough ones early in the clock. And I, I just want to know, like, is that something that you do because you're the best player? Or is that something you do? Cause you're like, this is a good shot. Like what, what is it? It's hard to keep know. the defense guessing, you know, on like when they yeah. really need to like hone in on you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's like a tricky thing for me. Uh, but I really like Jalen Forbes. Like, I feel like he's going to be in that mix. He's probably going to be a guy where it comes down to like, how do you do with the the post-college events? He's in his fourth year. So like, I think he's Portsmouth yeah. eligible and all that jazz. Um, but I'm intrigued. I think he, he's physically in a good spot, can really shoot, knows how to defend good length. Do you think that there's a path for him to wind up in your top 60 by the end of the year? I, I do. I think it would probably require Tulane, like, doing some things i mean they're 15 and 7 yeah um but if they could like i don't know like if they like really made some noise in the aac tournament or like do they have a houston game left on the calendar like if he yeah they do like if he has like like if they like upset houston or if he has a big performance against houston or like ucf or yeah yeah like if if he if he can like really put the team on his back and like just continue to make noise i'd be interested i I feel like the other thing that's going to have to come along is just like the inside the arc scoring is going to have to get a little bit better. And like, he's yeah. not bad there, but just like if you, if you were shooting above 42% from the field, I'd feel better about it. And like, yeah. he's never been great inside the arc. Like he has one season above 50%. 
on twos and that was his freshman year and was on less than one shot a game like if i could feel a little bit better about like what do you do when you're chased off the line then i'd probably be more into him as opposed to just like hey you just kind of stand there and shoot like that's what his next level role looks like right now i think that is totally fair man just a guy that like i'm i'm falling in love with the more that i watch him i love this Mm -hmm. film but Maxwell, that that's gonna bring our our list of names up, and I'm gonna yeah. kind of throw an audible at you real quick. Okay, let's got, do it. We got a little bit of time. Um, yeah. this is a little bit shorter than how we normally go. So we got a group project coming up. Everyone kind of knows what our group projects are here at, at No Ceilings. Um, I've done some adjustments on my big board. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have as well, but I'm kind of curious to see if you got maybe someone that you want to talk about taking taking a jump on your board. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I got two names that I'm, that I I want to discuss. Yeah. So my first one is kind of like a boring one. uh, Cause I think it's a guy who's taking that jump for a lot of people. It's Jordan Hawkins. Like, okay. I'm just convinced he's a pro. Like, I'm just convinced he's going to be around in the NBA for a long time and like in a pretty meaningful role. Like, again, one of those guys where it's like, man, that two point percentage is a little frustrating. And mm-hmm. I wish he was more consistent as a passer off the ball. But I just think when you shoot like that and you play the kind of defense that he does, like. He's going to play. He's going to play. Yeah. Um I have him at so, 33 yeah. and I just have a hard time. I had him like, like 40 last time around. Cause I was like, I like him. Like I got to have yeah. him top 40. So like he was 40. Cause I was like, well, I've got to have him here. Cause I like, I kind of believe in him enough, but now I'm yeah. like, ah, no, nah, I, I think he's going to like be a really good player. Where do you have him in relation to Terquavion Smith right now? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I had Turk quite a bit higher. I had Turk like 22 and I, okay. I need yeah, I to watch Turk at 20 more of like, I feel like I have not watched an NC State game in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to watch the one where he got hurt, and then I yeah. didn't. Um, okay. So yeah, I need to watch some of his recent tape before I like have a final answer on that. I, I've liked Turk this year a lot. Yeah. Like I know the field goal percentage is still rough. Um, I do buy the shot. I think the passing has come along considerably. I really like what he's doing defensively, and I think he's... Like, I just... I think he can do a lot more with the ball in his hands than Jordan Hawkins, but I have way more questions about like if he can play in a playoff series than I do about Jordan Hawkins. Okay, that's fair. So I got two names that I want to bring up. Do you got one more, or do yeah. you just want uh, to do one? Will you do one, and then I'll, I'll yeah. Find one. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, so first one, I'll keep it boring as well, but it's not boring if you if you know like where I have him in relation to somebody else. So Jarris Walker finally made um top five for me Mm -hmm. he's been scary good like he might not be done climbing and recently i just put him above cam whitmore which really hurts my heart but it's just they both are probably gonna play similar roles on an nba team and right now i'm just like far more confident in jairus walker's ability to contribute at a high level um than, than cam's right now not shutting the door on cam at all but just like at this point in time Jairus is now at five on my board, making his debut in the top five. And it's going to be hard to see him falling out at this point moving forward. Yeah. And like, I know you mentioned Jairus, but like the thing about Cam is like, I feel like he's looking better athletically. And then like, it's like, Ooh, I'm starting to like really buy the shot again. And then he'll have like ugly misses. And like, yes, 
We've now had two games in the last few weeks where he switched onto a quicker guard and gets like burned during yes. crunch time. Like we had, I think one against Providence. We had, uh, we had another one too. Like there's been like two of those in like recent games where it's just like, Oh, you just got like demolished by quicker guard right at the end of the game. So like, I don't know. Cam's just scaring me a little bit. I think I like me the too. upside better still, but like Jarius has been, Jarius has been awesome. Like, he's been unreal, man. He's like, I'm, I'm deciding how high I'm coming around on the, the expanding the, big board because he might be. I don't know if I can get him to five, but I think I can get him to six. I had him at I want to say like eight or nine at one mm-hmm. point, and now that his his like I said, his shots getting there. The playmate like Houston is starting to trust. They're him. letting him make plays, which is they're like letting phenomenal. him be IMG Jarris Walker, mm-hmm. and it's just like oh goodness, like this yeah. is scary. And he's just a mountain of a player. He's just mm-hmm. ginormous. Like the thing about Whitmore is it's like he's powerful, he's explosive, but he's undersized. Whereas Walker is powerful and explosive, and he he might be taller than what he's listed at right yeah. now. Yeah. And we know he's got like a seven two wingspan or whatever. So it's like you can get away with that wingspan, like and then some. Like that's not gonna hold him back. Um, he's like the Braun Strowman of college basketball <laughs> I mean, right yeah. now. They should do that. Like when he's like when he like does like that, like that steely head in the UCF game, where, like he knocks it away. They should like play the train sound effect when he goes down <laughs> yes. the court, like they do for Braun Strowman when he's um, running around the outside of the ring. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so I've got mine, uh, and this is a guy who wrote a column about how I'm not giving up on them, and then I proceeded to give up on them. Back <laughs> Hard. In. It's yeah. It's it's Derek Lively. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he's figuring some things out, and the biggest place he's figuring them out is on the glass. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm spoiling part of my, uh, quick hits from my column this week. He is still like really inassertive offensively. Um, but he's getting better. And like the Tyrese Proctor, like pick and roll pairing is like working. And like, he's, he knows where to go in the pick and rolls. Like he gives the guard space. He knows how to go behind his man. He obviously gets up high and far and he has a huge catch radius. Like all that stuff is good. Um, but there's two things that really set out. The first is the passing which i'm just gonna touch on quick because it's not as exciting he plays a very low usage role but over the last uh five games he has one turnover and six assists frankly doesn't make mistakes in his very limited role which is good and i've always thought like he knows what he's doing as a passer the rebounding has been big so in 21 minutes per game over the last five games he's averaging 8.4 rebounds per game which is just like i am smiling from ear to ear as i say this out loud because this is a dude averaging like four rebounds per game and it's like buddy how do you have like a 13 rebounding percentage like you've got like <laughs> an athletic point guard rebounding percentage just yep the athletic seven foot tall guy um it just makes me so happy and he's averaging four offensive rebounds per game mm-hmm. like he is just generating extra possessions for duke and he's doing this in 21 minutes per game so like yep. it's not like he's slacking on the defensive glass he's still taking care of business over there he's doing what he's supposed to be doing over there but he is providing just a massive surplus of value on the offensive glass now these last couple of weeks and i don't know like the rim protection has been fantastic block percentage oh, is up goodness. to yes like the i always like the the rim protection but like it is really kicking into high gear. Like I I'm back to the point of like where I was at the start of the year. Where it's like, well, you can't take him out of the first round. He's so big and athletic. And now it's like, he's so big. He's so athletic. He really knows how to protect the rim. And he's like playing with fire now. And I don't know if that was like him realizing like, 
oh, like people are talking about me. Like I might go back to school. Like, I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. what it was, but he's playing with a chip on his shoulder and he has been awesome. His performance against UNC was like one of my favorite prospect games of the season. And I think he scored like four points. Like he did not, he did not score much. He's yeah. Four points. Like he did not score much in that game, but it was like, that was a Derek Lively game. And he scored 13 rebounds, like eight blocks. He had you know, Jared Jackson <laughs> yeah. Jr.'s, you know, stat keeper at oh, the game so to help great. tally up some blocks. <laughs> and the interview was better because he just like cut a wrestling promo at the end, just looking like dead in the camera and, and talking about his teammates like more than himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the interview, but he was like dead eye stare into the camera <laughs> whenever mm-hmm. he was cutting his interview. Um, last guy I want to talk about. I have a third. But you know we'll we'll keep yeah, it there. Yeah, it's sneaking in. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. So I'll I'll sneak both of these guys in. So Jet Howard made his top ten debut. Um, he is now player number nine. Just slept GG mm-hmm. Jackson. Um, who by the way, just the interview was such a, or the little IG live that he did in the locker room was not a good look. Yeah. Um, I, so let's talk about it real quick. Okay. Let's. So let's do I it. like. So I put myself in his shoes, and I was like, I get it. Like, so if you haven't seen it, Gigi Jackson, after their, who was it that they lost to? Arkansas. Yeah. He did like a like an Instagram live where he was kind of you know complaining about his role, um, and saying like they don't drop plays up for him in crunch time, and like he did the whole thing where he's like, well, it's not supposed to be like let's give me the ball all the time, but isn't that kind of what it's supposed to be? Yeah. And like he was like. Uh, letting you know get responding to comments taking shots at his teammates and not really coming to their defense and like it's a bad look it's yeah. a bad look and you know i'm look like i where i have a hard time with it is like if i was that same age i would probably be even less mature than he was like knowing myself at that same age so it's like i don't want to like kill him for it because like i i know what i was like at that age like but at the same time a lot of these kids are so polished and so much more mature than most kids their age because of what they've dealt with for so long that it's like, yeah, I don't think Gigi Jackson's a bad guy. Like I don't, he's a high schooler still. Yeah. Like like, I don't fault Gigi Jackson as a person. Like I have zero judgment toward him because like I said, like Gigi's probably way more mature than I was at that same age. Like I'm not even doubting that. But at the same time, if you're comparing him relative to his peers and you're seeing somebody who hasn't really made in-season improvements is a mm-hmm. passer the way that somebody like a, a Bryce Sensabaugh has or like you look at like what Grady Dick his son is a defender or like just some of the or like how like Jairus Walker's just gotten like better at everything like there's yes. all these guys that have just like made strides throughout the year and you haven't seen that from GG and then you see this and it's like okay well all these other kids are already really mature like it's a relative to their peers thing yep. with GG and I think that's where it like that's where you have to think about it it's like these guys are ultimately going to have these guys when I say these guys I mean like front offices are ultimately going to have to draft somebody and pay them millions of dollars and count on them to, to be professional and be accountable. Um, And there are a lot of other people that can do that, that are his same age, which like, it's tough. Cause again, like I couldn't do that. So I can't, I like, I have have no personal ill will or judgment toward him. Um, But I do think it, it's going to hurt his perception a little bit, whether that's fair or not, you can, you know, make your own decision about that. But, we can we can probably agree though that not doing it would be better for him right now than than what he had done. One hundred percent. Yeah, and that has nothing to do, by the way, with having Jet Howard at number nine. It wasn't just based oh, off Jet's of the, the GGIG going on there. Jet has been on an absolute heater. Um, we're recording this on the day to where he just had a heck of a performance against Ohio State in the battle of freshmen between he and Bryce Sensabaugh. Look, you know, Albert has been a big 
jet guy he said he's a top five guy i don't think i can get there on him yet um but he's top 10 and i was was not a guy that i was expecting to be at this point but i mean just another guy who plays bigger than what he's listed at at six seven like how how is he not like six eight six nine just mm-hmm. when you watch him play just great movement shooter great ball handler um needs to you know rebound and, and get a little he bit does. better on the defensive yeah. end but overall like at his size his position and the the shooting stroke that he has you know he just moves so well with the ball and then Jalen Hushifino took a jump for yeah. me. I believe I had him at like 15, 16. He is um, now at 11. Ooh. So I'm Corey. I'm with Let's you, bro. Um, Rucker, I think, is in that camp as well. But yeah, I have him at 11 over names. He's, he's like, going on the expanding big board this week, too. So Okay. Little, I can't wait to see where you Spoiler alert right there. But yeah, I, I've, I've been predisposed, uh, predisposed to Jalen Hushifino fandom for a while, but. I, I just love what I'm seeing, man. It's it's hard it's hard to not, you know. So mm-hmm. um those are the names that I wanna that I wanted to drop here before, you know, we we talk about who we're gonna be writing about this week and mm-hmm. you know, wrap up the show. Yeah. So your column is gonna be out like either like by the time people are listening to this or shortly after. So sure. what have what have you got cooking up for no ceilingsnba.com this week? Yeah, so um talking about Jane Hushkafino, I wrote about his teammate, uh Trace Jackson Davis and wrote about why he is a first round prospect. Like if you there just we go. I'm if with you, you if you look at his numbers versus what anybody else has done in college basketball history, like don't just run his entire Bartorvik fields and plug them all in there. Just just have some fun with it, play around. That's what I did in the in the article. Like I ran one that has to do with like his BPM and his blocks percentage. Just two fields. And there was like a list of seven names and they're all NBA big men. You know, and so there's way more in there. Obviously, I get into the film and talk about, you know, how he's being by and large used as a a post up guy. It's probably not going to be his role at the NBA level, but the way that he moves his athleticism, the looks that we've seen him at on different areas of the floor, it's easy to envision him in a more modernized offense while also being just a heck of a, a weak side rim, you know, deterrent as well and rebounder he's grown as a playmaker just so much um about his game so by the time you're listening to this odds are that the article talk and trace is up at no ceilings nba.com yeah awesome i'm i'm really looking forward to it because i i love trace and like yeah. you mentioned martorvic numbers like the queries that he can come up on are so absurd to see such a well-rounded player like he's yeah. obscenely obscenely well-rounded i absolutely adore his game i i think he's gonna stick like i'm i'm all about trace jackson davis i think and it seems like he might be a steal like if team gets him in the second like i i feel like i've made this count before but i think there's a chance he's this year's andrew nemhard where like yeah. people are just overthinking it like they're being like oh he's old he's not that interesting and like whatever and it's like nah he is he's good he's gonna be a player so i uh, quote you in the article too by the way maxwell oh awesome look, look, look for your name we'll do we'll do i'm excited for it so uh yeah so i'm cooking up I, the writing is done on like this part of the column and I'm super excited for it. Uh, prospect overview this week. The feature is going to be on Scoot Henderson. And if he is oh. a better prospect than Derek Rose. Oh, I can't wait for this. So I went back, I watched like six or seven uh, 2008 Memphis games. I watched like his best. I watched all the tournament games. So there's four of those. And then I watched a couple of his best and worst. I think I'm, I watched like eight Memphis games. Uh, 
a what a fun team dude Memphis. dude I like I like texted the group chat. I was like, guys, I actually still believe in Chris Douglas Roberts. Like, CDR, <laughs> still do. bring him back. CDR should have been the man, but uh, yeah, that like that whole squad was really interesting. Um, the shorts in that era, man. The shorts were wild. We got to get oh, back. We got yes, We got to. We got to go back to the the super baggy shorts. But um, <laughs> yeah, super super interesting team. Antonio Anderson was a dude that like I don't really remember that was super interesting where he was like a really good passer and yep. like I, like right behind Derek Rose and assist numbers for that team is like a six, six guy who like kind of could shoot a little bit. Another one of those guys are like, how did Antonio Anderson not make it? Uh, but anyway, the feature is on Scoot Henderson, how he compares to Derek Rose um, is players at the same age, but then also like, what does that mean? Like if I come away with the conclusion that like, yes, Scoot is better. What does that mean? in today's number one pick, bro. Let's go. Uh, so, so it's, yeah, it's a lot about what what the two of them look like next to each other, but it's also about projection and, and what that means in the modern NBA to be a point guard in today's league, a traditional point guard. So, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with it. I'm really excited to share with everybody. I'm excited to read it, dude. I mean, there's only one other person that I've even heard give an inkling that Scoot might actually end up having a shot at being number one, and that's, you know, Game Theory, Sam Ficini. And yeah. I was just like, at least there's somebody else that like looks at these two dudes like they're on the same tier. And I get that there's like, yeah, yeah. There's like an economical, you know, benefit for drafting Victor too, that a lot of people are talking about now where like Mm -hmm. just drafting Victor is going to make you so much money. It's going to be kind of similar to what Zion did. So I get that the smart money is on, on Victor, but you know, everyone knows, like, I still love Scoot. I still don't think that those two are, like, worlds apart in terms yeah, of, like, either. talent or outcome, anything like that. Scoot's special, man. Like, he's, he's really him. special. So that was, like, the biggest takeaway for me. It's just, like, we got to appreciate this guy, like, while he's a prospect still before he becomes. Get rid NBA of the conversation, player. like, should yeah. Damian Thompson be taking third overall or Brandon? Like, nope, Scoot, Scoot's the dude. Scoot's yeah. The dude. Yeah, I don't want to get into the Thompsons today. I'm. I, I don't know. I've, I've, yeah, I've been having, it's, it's concerning to me that when they play the team with like traditional bigs on it, that they struggle. Like when they play, uh, is it city, they're a city Re- young dreamers. Yeah. Is the team yeah young dreamers. Yeah. And they struggle in those games. And he's uh, not so. a, he's not a big, big either. You know, no, he's a, he's a skinny big. Yeah. I'm a little, a little worried about the Thompsons, but we'll see. We'll save that for another day, but any let's, let's play your stuff. Where can people find you, Stephen? Yeah, man. So, um, written work, no ceilings, NBA.com. It's free 99, no tax. It's a flat rate. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's where I'm most active at Steven G hoops. And as always keep following what we're doing here on the draft deeper, um, show and follow all the shows that we have on the no ceilings, NBA podcast feed Maxwell. It was teased on Friday. We're not going to drop what the tease is because there's still work to be done, Yeah, but there is tremendous, tremendous, Big news coming down the pipe that I'm super stoked, pumped, jazz, excited mm-hmm. about. Um, just keep following us if you are. Tell your friends about us. If you haven't, um, make your family members subscribe to the website because <laughs> we're this is a, the the trending up man. Yeah, some, some yeah, big stuff. Graphic, yeah, the 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 little emoji with the the stock going up. That's that's yes. what no ceilings is is doing right now. So. Uh, yeah, no ceilingsnba.com. Subscribe to the Substack there. Subscribe to this podcast feed. Follow it on Apple, whatever they call it. Uh, but yeah, back in back in my day, it was always subscribe. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, follow me on Twitter at uh, boundboards b a u m. Then the word boards. Follow Nathan on Twitter at draftkeeper. Yes. Uh, don't forget him. He's the man. Wouldn't be here without him. Uh, as always, thanks to our producer Kevin Black for putting this together. And we will see you all next time. Have a great night. Much love, y'all.